Welcome back to Arts for the Lost, the podcast. This is JR. Jim, I did it again, didn't I, Brian? Jimmy De Los Santos <laughs> in Dallas, Texas. And I'm with Brian Nine in Indianapolis, Indiana. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing good, Brian. I'm doing good. Hey, it's uh gonna be a hundred and five degrees on this Saturday when we're hosting. We're coming to Dallas, man. <laughs> I am so excited. Coming to Dallas to uh, do a Hearts for Lost Compelled Conference here at Ecclesia Church in Dallas in Mesquite, Texas. And uh, it's going to be 105 degrees out there. So uh, oh. this is going to be fun for you guys. We planned this well, didn't we? So. <laughs> we, did. we did. A little outside activity. I'll be all right. But you guys were showing me, uh, the, the team was sending in the temperatures uh, from the, from whatever town that they're in. And so Brad is showing 100 and some degrees where he's 109 at. in Iowa. Yeah. In Iowa. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. And so um, you have it you have it pretty hot there as well, but not yeah. nearly. Yeah, it was it was in the low hundreds. But yeah, let's not give AOC any more uh, gunfire. <laughs> so let's move on from the heat. Yeah, uh, you know what? <laughs> hey, 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 Brian. So um, real quick, I, I know we got some things to talk about, a lot of things going on. We'll say that to the end of the show because we got a special show that we're doing yeah. right now. Uh, but before we get started on that, uh, tell us what's the purpose of what we what we do here at Hearts. For yeah, Lost? man, I'm I'm so excited for this show. But this this really the mission of Hearts for Lost, the podcast. What we keep trying to do is just to excite, educate, and equip believers to share their faith biblically. And we're going through uh, some of the things today. Uh, we're going to you know, go through um, what we're calling the questioning series. Is when you do step out and you do share your faith, skeptics sometimes, okay, all times will pose questions on why they either don't believe or uh, not sure where they are. So we're trying to go through some of the top ones, right? Questioning God, we went through questioning God series, went through questioning the word. Jimmy, you and I flushed out the deity of Christ when they questioned, is Jesus God uh, and that? And then also, was is he the only way and, and not the Oprah way, right? So we flushed all that out. Um, but I am absolutely ecstatic uh, today with our guest, Jimmy. I, I mean, you and I, when we met that day uh, in, in uh, L.A. in 2018, this man was there, too, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, but Mr. Andrew Rappaport, let me let me just tell you who we got today. If you don't know, uh, he's with Striving for Eternity Ministries, and he'll, he'll let me know if I left something out. Also, many I think he's got up to three podcasts now, but the rap report or I'm sorry, Andrew Rapport's Rap Report uh, is the big one. Uh, if you want to be a podcaster, and uh, Thursday night is a Apologetics Live uh, on, on YouTube and also on the podcast. I know of three books, and, and the three I've read and share, and we've talked about already on this podcast many times, What Do We Believe? A Systematic Theology book, really good book. What Do They Believe? When you start getting into some of these apologetic uh, conversations and then also sharing good news with Mormons. He's got a really good chapter uh, in there. And like I said, he he was team lead uh, for Ray Comfort, the Living Waters Ambassador Academy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, no one other than Mr. <laughs> Andrew Rappaport. What's yeah. up, Andrew? That, that was way too much. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? Good, good. Yeah, that, that, that was uh, the first time we, we met was at the Living Waters Ambassador Academy. And you actually knew the podcast. So I was like, oh, you were that listener. I was always wondering who that one <laughs> listener was that was listening to my little bitty podcast. Um, but but we what we did after that was we brought Brian out to New York and, and you know, said, okay, you, you really want to get some evangelism skills? You come to Union Square, New York City. Wow. Midtown. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I, I've, I've always said, if you can evangelize in, in Union Square, you can evangelize anywhere. I mean, you, you're going to deal with everything. Oh. Everything is out there and they're all together and they just, they're all against the gospel. <laughs> well, it's right outside NYU. Is, is that Union Square? No, that's Washington, that was Square. Washington, Square. Washington Square. Yeah. Yeah. We start, we go there during the yep. day because you get all the intellectual yep. discussions and then 10 blocks up, we go to Union Square and it's the, the, as far from intellectual as you can get. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's that of an extreme. I mean, you know, you could be spending the day debating a PhD professor in physics and then go 10 blocks up later that night talking about a guy that's created his own religion out of light. <laughs> and that's our friend Solomon. You'll remember him. Yes, yes. Uh, I do remember Solomon. Solomon's been heckling me for 13 mm. years. That's that's when you you know your heckler by name. You <laughs> you, you, you know I I his he had a, a child. I got his child a you know a, a gift. It, it's really interesting when you go to the same fishing hole, right? Week after week, year yeah. after year. You know, folks, I, you guys know this because you 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 go regular places. And but for your audience, if you're if you go to a regular fishing hole, man. You get to know the regulars there. Like I, I, I know we used to go to the mall once a month and actually we went three times a month because what we did was it, you're only allowed once a month, but I went with under my church name, striving fraternity name and another church name. And there was a high school kid, the high school kids, we'd always be in the mall. We'd always be sharing the gospel with them and they would just be, it's just a joke to them. They don't take it serious. You know, there's one week where they all came up to us and they said, hey, we're so glad you were here. We looked for you last weekend on Friday and Saturday. We looked for you last night. We're so glad that you guys are here. We got questions for you. Like these guys usually make fun of us. So, you know, my buddy Pat says, why? What's up? He goes, one of the guys goes, a friend of ours died the other week, two weeks ago. And, and they brought on all these, you know, guidance counselors to, to help us out. But none of them have real answers. We want to know what happens after we die. You, you know why they did that? Because they knew we'd be there. <laughs> right. They knew who was going to tell them the truth. And that's the advantage of a regular fishing hole. Mm. I, I tell you, when, when, when I went to, to New York with you, bro, I, I, we've always told our, our listeners, you're going to get a little nervous. And I, dude, I couldn't even feel my tongue when I was with you that day. I, it was like the most nervous I've ever been. Um, and especially with you and Anthony and, and Jorge. And I can't remember the other two, one from Chicago, one from Dallas. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was so mind-numbingly scary. But stepping into it, once I got up on the box and once he got into it, it's like, all right, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to do this. <laughs> and the reliance upon was, was just an amazing experience. And you're right, from Washington Square was all the intellectual, evolution, scientists, whatever. And then <laughs> Union Square, man. And I'll never forget, I was up on the box and those people playing chess got in a fight. <laughs> and people were like scrambling. And I look at Anthony, I'm like, what do I, what do, I do? He goes, preach the law i'm like okay <laughs> <You're wild. laughs> yes sir so it, it was awesome but i tell you you got to tell this story andrew because we always tell people when you're sharing your faith you might not always see the results right it, it's like just be faithful and sharing you told a story on on a cast i can't remember which one 
it, it was the Mark Dever um, protege, and he came uh, up and gave yeah. his testimony of the of the street preacher at the yeah. university. Can you give a short story yeah, sure. of that? So at, at my seminary, they have a conference. They'd have a conference every year, leadership conference, and they had Mark Dever speak. And what Mark did ev- before he got up to speak, every time he had one of his interns, his pastor interns, get up and share their testimony. So there's one gentleman gets up and shares his testimony that 18 years ago, he was at the University of Pennsylvania. He was uh, at a place called the Hub. Um, actually, you, you Pittsburgh is where he was. And so he's at a place called the Hub. And he had heard this open air preacher just preaching. He got so angry with the guy. He was yelling at the guy. And he went home and he, he went back home. And he was so convicted with what the guy said. A couple of days or weeks later, he ends up going and pulling a Bible off the shelf and reading it. And he gets saved. He gets saved. He ends up going to seminary. He's now uh, an intern for Mark Dever at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in, in Washington, D.C., and he's traveling around to, at conferences with, with Mark. And so I walked up to him and said, look, 18 years ago, there were not many of us doing that. It, it just it was before Ray Comfort was really known. And it's just I mean, I didn't know who Ray was when I started doing it. There were a lot of others. I said, there's not a lot of us that do this. Give me all the details. And let me see if I can find out who that preacher was. And so I put through the different, you know, networks, social media and things like that. And, and a woman contacted me and said, Hey, you know, I think I might know who, who that was. My, my husband goes out evangelizing with a guy that goes to university of Pittsburgh and has been going there for like 25, 30 years. And so she put me in touch with the, the guy and I said, okay, you know, what nights would you have been out there? He goes, well, I'd always be out on, it was either Friday or Saturday night. So I, I explained to him, like, this is the spot where he would go. And I said, well, I would like to introduce you to someone that probably got saved under your preaching. And so I was able to get them connected by email and introduce these two gentlemen who didn't know 18 years prior. They thought they'd never see each other again, never talk to each other. Here's this evangelist that is thinking like, you know, who knows who got saved. And now he gets to find out that one of the guys is now a pastor from what he did. And he had no idea. It was just wonderful to see. That's awesome, man. And that just, that just encourages me and it should encourage the listeners, our family that man, just sharing your faith. You never know what God's going to do, right? It's the word. It's the spirit that cracks our heart. So it's just us to be faithful and sharing our faith, answer some questions, but again, not winning the argument, getting back to the gospel and, and then let God do the rest. So that, that, bro, that story is so awesome for me. Thank you for you know, telling that. And if we're, if we're going to the same place, I mean, as we're saying, right, I go to Union Square, I would go year after year after year. And the, the regulars there knew who I was. They knew me by name. They knew me on social media. They would follow me. We would have discussions. But, you know, over 13 years, I had seven people that have contacted me one way or another either through the ministry, they go to the website or Facebook or something to let me know they got saved. Mm. People who had been heckling me for years, you know, seven, eight, nine years of heckling. And then like, I needed to reach out to you because I gave you such a hard time. And I want you to know, I just got baptized last week. Mm. That is the best to hear. That is awesome. That just gave me chills, bro. That's awesome. Oh, that that is yeah that's good you know, stuff and that that's why we do it right right jimmy right. yeah that's that is exactly why we do it but uh i, I gotta say i i've 
I'm I'm hungry for New York now. I hear this. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting there going, okay. I, I hope somebody that has a church somewhere in the New York area reaches out to Hearts of the Lost, brings us out because I'd like to you know take an extra day and, and go and check that out because uh, that'd be something else. But uh, I've never been to New York. Don't know what it's like. But that Northeast when we went to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and I've been to Boston before. I tried some witnessing out there. I, I tell you what, man, the 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 way that people in that region of the country are just i told the story on the on the last episode of that guy just we're done here you know and stomped off and i'm like wow that was that was something and all all it was was you know uh god considers blasphemy to be something that uh is very serious well at least that's what men say because men put words in his mouth i'm like okay so that was that was an interesting that was an interesting little thing that happened there. So in 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 Pennsylvania when we went out there, I, I found that that was even though it's a small little town, I found that there was quite a few people that were just like, yeah, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. I'm in the Bible Belt. I, I think I get a, a lot more chances to go all the way through the gospel, uh, get to the the place where I can share Jesus Christ with others, and so uh, that's what we want to do. But you know, one thing I think, Brian, that I don't, I don't know this ever happens here in Texas uh, that someone would doubt the resurrection, but have you ever had uh, someone doubt the resurrection? What? Interesting you <laughs> asked, and I was going to kind of do a subtle T.O. there, but all right. Um, but yeah, no, this weekend, uh, my wife Jane and I and, and uh, Heath are, are uh, with Hearts for Lost intern. Uh, there's a, a July 4th, um, it's called Carmel Fest here, and a bunch of people, booths, and then they have fireworks later. Anyway, I thought it was a great time to do a little date time and go hand out tracks to people. So um, we did that and actually butt down Andrew. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> went, uh, went handing out tracks. And then I saw a booth uh, that, that had for a, a, a mosque that had just opened up in Fishers, which is a city right next door. Um, so I meandered on over there, just start asking questions. And lo and behold, when we really got to start talking about theology, three things they brought up. I asked them, what are, the, what are the three things you'd like to ask a Christian or go after if we had a chance to debate? They said, they said first, the deity of Christ or the Trinity. Uh, second, is he, is he the only way? There are multiple ways. And then third, the big one was the resurrection and really the death, burial, and resurrection, right? The death, they said swoon theory. And then uh, was he really buried or not? Is he an actor? And then the true uh, bodily resurrection. So uh, with that uh, nice little uh, transition get, there, Andrew. Yeah, whatever. Before, you, before you get going, for the you know some of the crowd that maybe just getting into this, uh, a mosque is related to what religion? Just so people know. Oh, uh, Muslim or Islam. Yeah, yeah Islam. Yeah. The Muslim Islam. We wanna, we Islam just religion. just want to make sure anybody listening that doesn't know exactly what a mosque refers to, uh, this is where the Muslims go to worship. And so that that's the kind of questions that they would have. But go ahead, Brian. Give it. Yeah, back. yeah. No. So it, it 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 was just interesting. These are the questions of the last couple of events I've I've been at. Even the the, the anti-abortion uh, a couple Saturdays ago went to a, a, a Pride festival the week before. These questions come up. These questioning, you know, question the Bible, question God, but resurrection came up hard. So this is something. Uh, I think we we're going to hammer tonight and just would love uh, Andrew's expertise because you've been witnessing on the street. You've probably heard it a million times more than we have yeah. um, and, and just get your perspective and help our family uh, of listeners weave through when they get this question, maybe some verses we can go to and, and uh, yeah, man, just, let's just open it up and start talking about but, the resurrection. So let me, let me say this. He's going to help me out a whole lot because again, like I said, I'm in the Bible belt. I don't get a lot of pushback on the resurrection but 
Andrew, just to start us off, does it matter? Does does it matter that the resurrection happened or not? Well, well, let's let's see what Paul has to say in <laughs> Romans 10, 9, and 10. Okay. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if he stopped there, we might go, okay, but he doesn't. He says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, but with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So, so Paul is saying there's two things. You, you, if someone's going to be saved, there's two things. They have to believe in their heart that they have to, they have to uh, confess with the mouth Jesus is God and believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead. So Paul's saying, hey, there's two things you, you need to know. Resurrection is one of them. In fact, he's got an entire chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 dedicated to the resurrection. Because his argument in 1 Corinthians 15 is basically, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're dead in our sin. Mm. It, it, like, we, we're of all men in, in vain. I mean, we're, we're wasting our time. We're wasting all the energy that we put toward trying to please God, please Christ. If he's, if he's dead and he isn't resurrected, then we're wasting our time. It's all null and void. So all of Christianity rests on the resurrection. The, the resurrection is the thing that vindicated and is what Jesus said, that it is what vindicates everything he said. So he said he has the power to forgive sin, that he was going to go to his father's house and prepare a place for us, that he would be the judge of the world. And all of these things hinge on the resurrection. He made that connection. So if, if he didn't raise from the dead, then how would we know that we're forgiven of our sins? How do we know we're going to rise from the dead? He's, he was the first fruits. So the, the, the way that he set the example in his resurrection is for us to know that just as he rose from the dead, there will be a time we raise from the dead. Wow. That's good. You know, just you referenced First Corinthians 15. I want to read a little excerpt of that because I think that's that's really powerful. This is First Corinthians uh, chapter 15. I'm reading verses 12 through 19. And this is what it says. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And I just that 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 right there gets me because um, you could be Joel Osteen with uh, your best life now and uh, not have to believe in the resurrection. But we don't believe just this life. We believe in the eternal life, the, the, the life to come and uh, beyond beyond the grave uh, going on that we all resurrect. And I, I think, uh, Andrew, you hit the nail on the head pointing to Paul's uh, uh, chapter 15 in First Corinthians is is very important to us. And I think it's, it hinges, uh, Brian, you got something to add to that? 
Yeah, no, I, we spent an hour, seven minutes last week. We're already half hour into this, and Andrew just answered both weeks' question in one verse. But uh, I digress. Um, no, I, we're going through um, John MacArthur and uh, Mayhew's biblical doctrine in, in our theology class uh, at church. And MacArthur had a quote on this that I just love, and he also uh, references Romans 10, 9 through 10. Uh, he says, and I quote, there exists no greater event in redemption history than the resurrection of Christ because it completes and validates his sacrificial death and advances the program of the kingdom with an eternal living king. The resurrection must be believed in order for someone to experience salvation. Right. So is it necessary? Does it matter? Yes. Uh, capital Y exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, but you, you want to know, son, Brian, is that th this show is hearts for the lost, right? This is right. about evangelism. Right. And yet so many evangelists, when they share the gospel, well, as Ray Comfort says, they leave Christ on the cross. Amen. Or they Amen. leave him still in the, in the tomb. They, they forget to mention or don't, don't see the importance of mentioning the resurrection. Right. Because that, that's what everything hinges on. When we explain the gospel, it is that we were wicked sinners. We are enemies in God's sight. And, and God himself came to earth as a human being. I mean, we want to go to heaven, right? Sure. But, but Jesus left heaven to come to earth. I mean, think about it. In heaven, there's no sickness, no sin, no starvation, no suffering. He left that place where all the angels are singing his praises, and he left that place to come to earth. Mm. Right, well, just right. let that sink in because none of us <laughs> might be willing to do that once we get to heaven. Yeah. They're like, send me back. No, no. <laughs> he came to earth for the explicit reason to die. Mm. And then he said to prove that he is who he said he was almighty God. He would raise from the dead three days later. Now, how much did people believe that what he said? Well, the Jewish leaders ended up getting a, Roman guard to guard the tomb, put a seal on it to make sure that he couldn't be, couldn't get out. No one would steal the body because they wanted to make sure that no one would try to deceive people. Mm. And yet in, in God's providence, all of their efforts to try to protect what they were thinking was going to be some thieving going on to promote a lie ended up vindicating that there was no possible way to explain what happened other than the resurrection. I mean, the Jewish leaders thought they were going to stop this thing cold in its tracks once Jesus died, and they actually provided all of the proof that there's no other way to explain what happened other than a resurrection. Mm. And that resurrection proves to us, vindicates to us that we can be forgiven of sin, and we can have eternal life. And, and the, that's the importance of the resurrection. I mean, I always ask it this way. Jesus died. What do dead people do? They rot. They rot. You know what Jesus did? He rose himself from the dead. Dead people don't do that. Right? right, right that's right. the evidence that he is God. Amen. Mm. Yeah, that's that's good, Andrew. That's good. I mean, last week we got a little hyped up about uh, Jesus. This again, studying for this, uh, it became apparent that this was this was the exclamation point on all of his miracles. Uh, everything that 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 he had done up to this point. Uh, getting to the resurrection and showing showing this, this there was there was something that he said in um in talking to the to the jews uh john chapter 2 verse verses 18 through 22 i'm gonna read this real quick so the jews said to him what sign do you show us for doing these things 
Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. (laughs) The Jews then said, "It, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, what you were just what you were just talking about that it solidifies something about the iffy faith that the that the Jews had before it was a works righteousness thing and he was he was coming to them and saying all your works aren't going to save you but what I'm going to do is I'm going to crack the whole thing wide open right and and what you were just mentioning about evangelists I remember hearing Ray Comfort talk about that how we leave him on the cross and I started I started adding the 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 uh, not even just the, the resurrection, but the ascension as well, right? And started talking about him sitting on the throne at the right hand of, of the father uh, and mentioning the fact that what he did in doing that is he defeated death, giving me the gift of eternal life. I can now live forever with him in glory as he sits on the throne where he is right now. And so I, I, I mentioned that because it's a fuller picture. It's a fuller picture. When we get out on the streets, and people doubt the resurrection. And when they tell us it's not possible for someone uh, to raise from the dead, you're right, unless they are who he said he was. Last week, we touched on liar, lunatic, or, or Lord. And this week, we're talking about the fact that uh, if he says what he, what he did, now, his, this is what we're going to touch on in a minute, his disciples, their reaction, what they did in, in, in a few minutes. We'll, we're going to touch on that because I think it's important. And one of the things that solidified my faith, uh, because it's really, I mean, think about it from a, from a secular point of view or from a common sense point of view, most people would say, yeah, that's not going to happen. Somebody's not going to raise from the dead. That, that's just not true. And they're going to look at the Bible like it's a fairy tale, right? Uh, but we've got some evidences. We've got some proofs. Let's move into the place of evidence. Because most people we talk on the street are going to say, Show me some proof, right? How can we just here in 2022 talk to someone that hasn't been to before Christ died and understand that this is actually true? How how can we um, show them some evidence of some proofs now here sitting in 2022 out on the streets? Well, we do what we do with any other thing that's historical. Look at history right? There's historical evidences. Now, a lot of people will want to throw out the Bible. Oh, you can't count the Bible because, you know, that they have a bias. Well, we don't have, I mean, we have evidences outside of the Bible, right? We, we have early church fathers, but we also have early church historians that were not Christian, like Josephus, who, who was a Jewish person, a Jewish historian working for the Romans, neither of which would have been interested in promoting Christianity, but he states about the resurrection as a fact, not as, as, as if people say this happened. No, he just states it as a fact. It's, it's actually one of the reasons so many of the atheists try to discredit Josephus because they're like, oh, he's a problem, because so much of what he does is support the actual events. But we have early church fathers. We see that they, people who were witnesses, who were early in that, but, but we have the scripture. And the scripture is written by God. Now you're talking to someone that's an unbeliever and they don't believe that fine. You don't give that up, right? There's, we hold to priest two, at least I hold to two presuppositions. God exists. He has spoken and that's it. I'm not giving those up. You want to tell me you don't think God exists. Your problem is 
you're just suppressing that in unrighteousness. God says you do. And I'm going to trust God. You don't want to believe the Bible. That's up to you, but you know, God has spoken. And so we could look at the scriptures, but let's look at the details of the scriptures. You brought up what the disciples did, right? What did they do? They ran. <laughs> these, these guys, and these guys wrote that down, right? I mean, think about what most people do. Think about any, any person who's writing their own accounts. What do they do? They praise their good efforts. The, the, the disciples are like a bunch of cowards in, in their own writings. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I just got done preaching at church through Mark. And, you know, one of the things that's so amazing to me is everybody else got what Jesus was saying, except the disciples. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> Gentiles got it. The Jewish leaders got it. The, you know, the, the religious people that were not Jewish got it. And like everybody seemed to get it except the disciples. Like he could say things and, and he would say it in parables so that they wouldn't understand. But the only ones that didn't seem to ever understand were the disciples. <laughs> no one writes a book like that about themselves. Right. They totally missed the point. If they were making this up, then they would not make it like that they missed the point when Jesus said that he would die and be buried and raise again. They would have made it as if we knew this all along. Right. And, act, and in the context of the day, they would have never had women be the first ones, be the witnesses. They would have been so not credible at the time. Correct. Right. They would have right. never. Yeah, yeah because uh, in, in that century, the women didn't have, and by the way, folks, this is one of the things I know so many people try to say that the Bible puts women down. Hmm. That's only because you don't understand the Bible and you don't understand history. In, in the first century, women had like no voice. So a woman giving testimony is not credible. And yet it's the women that go to the men and, and give testimony that Jesus rose from the dead. They're the first ones there. So that themselves, the fact that the men were not the first, they wouldn't have written, written that down because again, it makes them look pretty foolish. But when you look at the account, you know, part of my testimony, and I think you guys probably both heard my testimony before, but, you know, I come from a Jewish background, knew nothing about Christ other than he was Hitler's God. That's what, how I was raised. And, and the reason I say this is because Hitler supported the Roman Catholic Church, or it was supported by the Roman Catholic Church. And, you know, Jewish people just look at Catholic churches. That's what all Christians are. <laughs> we, don't, we don't make the distinction of Baptist and Presbyterian. And, and, and you guys might think that's weird, but many of you don't make the distinction between Orthodox, Reformed, Conservative within Judaism, you know, and, and there's more than that. But the, the thing is that I didn't know about Christ. And the person who was sharing the gospel with me started by showing me prophecies, Old Testament, New Testament. My, my mind, I'm sitting there and running calculations, and it was beyond statistical impossibility, which is 10 to the 48th power. It was statistically impossible for these things to happen by chance. And I said to, to Chuck, I said, Chuck, okay, the, the New Testament had to have been written by God. What does it say? He talks about Christ. The Christ is God. He came to earth. He died, was buried, and rose from the dead. I'm like, wait, stop. Dead people don't rise. And he says, well, this is what happened. And I started trying to come up with ways to explain how it could have been. We can explain this away. And if, if you guys read uh, More Than a Carpenter or Evidence Man's a Verdict, mm -hmm. you know, Josh McDowell gives McDowell, you all yeah. these false views of the resurrection. So, and I came up with all of them. I have one that I'll, I'll end with that was, I think, still original with me. But you have the, the wrong tomb theory. They, just, they brought Jesus to the wrong tomb. 
Well, remember, the Jewish leaders got these guards from the Romans to guard the tomb. Do you think that the guards whose lives are on the line, if they fail in their mission, do you think they didn't double check that they were at the right tomb? You know, because their life is at risk if they fail. No, they, they probably made sure of it. The, the, the fact of, you know, maybe Jesus didn't really die. He, he just passed out on the, on the cross. They put him in there. Okay, so he, he took off 75 pounds of cloth after hanging on a cross for several hours with his hands and, and, and feet pierced. He takes the cloths off. He gets up, rolls like a 2,000-pound stone uphill by himself and gets past the Roman guards without anybody noticing. Mm. Is that wow. a believable story? <laughs> not, not, not very much. No. Especially when you asterisk the fact that the Romans made killing an art. I mean, they knew how to kill people. They knew how many lashes would kill someone. They knew they knew that they took killing someone very very yeah. seriously. Yeah. Going right? back, going back to the the that first the wrong tomb. I I actually never heard that. You just brought that up, and I was like, wow, I never never thought of that. But isn't it isn't the Bible very specific about Joseph of Arimathea being Correct. the one that said this this man was prominent? He's like, hey, give it to me. I'm gonna put it in my tomb. Not, right. not only that, but yeah. it says in the scriptures that it was a new tomb. So here's one of the things with mm. tombs. What they would do is, because there's not a lot of area for, for cemeteries, so what they would do is you have a tomb, and it would basically be carved out of, you know, maybe, you know, rock, and you'd, it's basically a cave. You'd, they'd put you there in the cloth for one year. After a year, they basically take undo the cloth, take all your bones, put it in a little box, stick the box in a shelf so that that tomb could be used for someone else. Wow. So that this is how they would end up doing it so they could reuse the same tomb for more and more people. Well, this one says it's a new tomb, which means nobody had been in there before. So it's not like they got the wrong body even. This was not only a, a marked tomb that they knew who it was, they knew who owned it. It had never been used before. Jesus was the first to, to use it. Well, that gives more that go, that gives more meaning to an empty tomb. There yeah. was there was no other bodies in there. There was nobody at all in there. Um, that's good, Andrew. I like that. Keep and, on going with it. So, so, <laughs> and what you see when when we did find the resurrection, how they find the cloths? The cloths were just laid right there. It's it's they, not like someone unraveled them. Yeah, they folded they, them. They folded them. And this is the the thing is, you look at all this, the Jewish leaders getting the Roman soldiers, getting the tomb and sealing it, all of that leaves no other explanation. Now, the one that many people will come up with, the one that Jewish leaders came up with and paid off the Romans to, to say was his body was stolen by the disciples. <clears throat> okay, let's see. Is that possible? They would have to get past the Roman guard. Um, they were like fishermen, tax collectors. They, they weren't soldiers. They're, they're going to get past the Roman guard. And the Romans aren't going to come to the Jewish leaders and say they stole the body. They're, they're saying we don't know what happened to the body. And the Jewish leaders are saying, say it was stolen. So they somehow got past the Roman guard without being noticed, were able to move a 2,000-pound stone uphill without anyone hearing it or noticing it, get the body out and took the time to put those cloths right back where they were so that it looks nice and neat, and then get out of there. Now, that's far-fetched, but I have one 
argument that I think as far as I know is still original with me. My last argument when I was pleading to try to figure a way to explain away the resurrection, I said to Chuck, I said, Chuck, maybe they came, the disciples came underneath the tomb. They dug a hole, came up underneath, took the body out and, and <laughs> filled it in. And he just looked at me and says, Andrew, in three days, they didn't have heavy equipment back then. And I mean, I just sat there on the steps of a Dairy Queen and, and just put my hands in my face, just shaking my head. He's like, what's wrong? I said, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then Jesus Christ is everything he said about himself. He is God. And Chuck says, what's wrong with that? I said, well, if he is God, I'm accountable to him. Mm. If I'm accountable to him, I have, I've been, a, I almost burned my house down twice. I mean, I, there was no question whether I was a sinner. <laughs> I was not a good kid. But it was the first time I realized I was accountable to God. See, being raised Jewish, I always thought as God's chosen people, I was in like Flynn. I just, I didn't have wow. to do anything. But this was the first time I realized the resurrection made me realize I'm accountable to God. And I'm going to face him on judgment day. And I have nothing to say for myself. And that's when I realized that I needed Christ. Right. That's why the, the hardest thing is not getting someone saved. It's getting someone lost. Mm, right. Mm. Right. Wow. They don't think they're lost. They don't think they need Christ. That's their problem. That, <laughs> yeah. That's good. Hey, amen. You know, and, and that's where the law comes in. Right. And that, that has been so helpful um, in, in walking, walking through the law. Sorry, Jamie, I cut you off. There. No, no, no. I, I just want to share because what you just said, um, Andrew, reminded me of a quote that I had up uh, about the resurrection. But Stephen Lawson, listen to what he said. The stone was rolled away from the tomb, not to let Jesus out, but to let the world in. Right. And it kind of goes with what you just said. It's, it's, it's important for people to understand uh, until we can get them to see their plight, they'll, they'll never see the need for a savior. Right. And they, they don't see themselves going to hell. They don't see themselves as sinners. They don't see themselves as lawless uh, until they see themselves in that state. And then they can look and see someone that has defeated death. And then they have to, they have to, they have to at some point, whether they do it here or they're standing before the judgment throne on that day, they're going to bow their knee and say, this is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega. Uh, so I, I think that's good. So go ahead, Brian. You were going to say that. No, that no. I think, yeah, I'm just going to tag on that. Uh, you know, that's where I, I think it's easier sometimes to, to witness or preach in prison uh, or downtown uh, versus some of the affluent counties or the Bible Belt. So, it, you're right. It, it, the problem is, or, or the challenge is, like Andrew just said, is to get them lost first to understand their need that, you know, what that 401k, that job, that boat, that, that comfortable life, um, we, we need to deal with, you, you've sinned against the Holy God part. So um, that was awesome. One of the things, I, I'm going to go to Second Peter uh, 1.16 real quick, because for me, and you, you mentioned in the history, uh, you know, historically, how do we prove it? Uh, but for me, in any kind of court scene or anything, proven is eyewitness testimony right and and for me uh and peter uh talking in one the second peter 116 uh says for we did not follow cleverly desire devised myths when we were made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty so in other words peter wasn't just reporting the news that he heard but rather something he saw with his own eyes so my question usually is you know why or how over 500 plus, right? 500 plus the apostles plus in first Corinthians 50, how are they convinced to lie? And that to me, because this was written in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses 
right? As Vody put together that, that why I choose to believe the Bible. But <laughs> so everything could have been refuted in the lifetime of the folks that, that were, were talking about it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't see anything like that. Um, so for me, um, you know, in its own writing and, and the eyewitness accounts, plus uh, uh, the history, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the writings, uh, the time of the events and, and, and going back. So um, for me, those two things uh, specifically, uh, the eyewitnesses uh, are big and it, and it just go ahead. Well, let me just say because you, you you referenced it, but let me read it. First Corinthians fifteen, yeah, yeah, verse six. And and after that, this is Paul speaking. And after that, he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, mm. most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. What's Paul doing there? Right. He's arguing for the resurrection. He's appealing to some of you who are reading this. You are there. You were one of those five hundred. You saw this with your own eyes. Now, you can't do that when you're telling a lie. You can't appeal to the, the audience to vindicate what, what they saw with their own eyes unless they saw it with their own eyes. I think even more than that, Andrew, on that particular, I was right there at that verse with you on that. Even more than that, he's saying, go ask. Yeah. Right. Go ask them. They're right there. I mean, right. Paul is not going to be crazy enough to write this out. And, and and tell people go go ask see and the, everybody would have said okay no it didn't happen uh, this writing would have been said okay this is worthless but it stood the test of time because it was true yeah and so I I think that I think it's good that you appeal to that particular scripture right there go to the five hundred go ask them right yeah you know one of the things is people will make the argument well this is just the, a story that these four gospel writers got together, figured out, or they copied off of one another. And that's why there's these stories that are similar and people started believing it. And, and maybe the 500 just group hypnosis, or they talked themselves into lots of different stories with that. Well, when we look at the gospel accounts, though, a lot of people want to sit there and try to say that it's a telephone game. You've, you've heard that, I'm sure, where yeah. it's one person told another person and they, they kind of edit it. And so Mark writes and then Matthew kind of takes what Mark said, adds a little and Luke adds a little. And then John just writes his own thing. That's the way they try to argue it. But the reason they're saying it is because, well, the, these guys have a little bit of a different account. They, they don't have the exact same story. You know, a friend of mine, Jim Wallace, and not the liberal Jim Wallace, but he, he, he goes by, as an author, he goes by Jay Warner Wallace to separate himself <laughs> from the liberal Jim Wallace. But his, his book, Cold Case Christianity, Jim is a 20-year cold case detective. Uh, he's been on Dateline more than I think any other detective because he's that good at his job. He's, he's never lost a case. And he is an expert in first, in an eyewitness testimony from years prior. That's how he solves cold cases, is looking at eyewitness testimony and being able to identify what is real eyewitness testimony versus someone who's putting a story together. And he, and he always says when he gets on a scene, the first thing he does is like when he gets a call, he's got to go to a scene. First thing he does is say separate the people, because once they come together, they have the exact same story. He knows that if they have the exact same story, they made it up because nobody actually has this exact same story. They look at it from a different vantage point. One person will record, say, well, there are three cars. One person just says the one car that was in the accident, right? right. Those things happen. That's what happens in the gospel accounts. Right. And he goes through with his, he actually became a Christian by, by looking to disprove the scriptures. And he said, I'm going to use my expertise as a cold case detective, apply my training 
to the gospels and prove that it is not eyewitness testimony. And he came to the conclusion, it is eyewitness <laughs> testimony. <laughs> and, and he ended up bowing the knee to Christ. Wow. And that book, Cold Case Christianity, goes through the eyewitness testimony, what to look for in that. And so the fact that we have the differences and the different vantage points and the different things that are being viewed and emphasized is because you have different people that were eyewitnesses to it and recording it. And that is a, an evidence that we can look at. If everybody gave the exact same account, mm. you know, exactly who was there. Well, you have Mary and Mary and Mary. <laughs> you have, you have the, the, the mother of James and John, which some think is Mary and some, you know, right? so, so you have these, why don't they all mention all the women? Some mention these three, some mention those three. Some don't mention any, they just say women. They, they would, if it was organized and systematized for the purpose of telling a story, it would be identical. It, that's what happens when you have someone making up a story. And that's not what we have in the gospel accounts. We have firsthand testimony. Yeah. You know, I, even further than that, one of the things that really kind of solidified, you know, when I was first learning about these things, uh, I think this is important. Jimmy, everything you say is important. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing, the thing about the, the disciples, the apostles is, is that they died for this. The, the, earlier, Angie, you were talking about how they fled. When Jesus was arrested, they left. Cowards left. Here's Peter the night before, you know, uh, at the supper. I, I would die for you. I'd do anything <laughs> for you. Right. And as soon as here's the sign of trouble. Boom. Cuts off, cuts off a guy's ear and then runs. Right. Um, you know, it, they all ran. But after seeing Christ resurrected from the dead, they were emboldened to the point that they would die. And, and when I read, you know, when you read Fox's Book of Martyrs mm -hmm. and you go and you start to read some of the accounts of the apostles and how they died, uh, some of what they looked at, how can you not sit there and say, if this, if this was all a hoax, if this was all just some made up story, um, something they wanted you, first of all, my, my first question would be why? Why would these guys, after having followed a man that just died and was set in a tomb, and uh, didn't do anything after that, he would just fade off into the background. Why would they want to exalt him to something more? But more than that, why would they want to die for him after, after this? I, I believe the resurrection because the apostles absolutely went to their deaths, looking forward almost to their deaths so that, so, so that they could be with Jesus once more. Uh, this to me is, is probably the best piece of evidence for me uh, in my walk with Christ, that solidified my my belief that the resurrection is real. I mm. have something to look forward to, right? And so that I just wanted to throw that in there because when I read those accounts, I was just like, "How can somebody not believe this?" Right? With looking at these apostles and how how they were these disciples, how they were cowards at one point and emboldened to death even mm. uh, afterward. Um, you know, I remember I had a, a pastor. He actually was. Um, he ended up, they, they, they voted him out of the church. He wasn't really qualified to be a pastor, but he, he was kind of an arrogant kind of guy. And I remember, you know, I was in seminary and there were some things that I was trying to talk to him about. And, and he made this statement and it, it always stuck with me. He said, he like looks at me and says, Andrew, I've had more seminary training than you. I've had more pastoral experience than you. I've been to more seminars and conferences than you. I've read more books than you. 
you shouldn't be correcting me. And I just, I don't know where I came up with this. I don't know if you guys ever had this where something comes out of your mouth and you're realizing, wait, where did I ever come up with that? That wasn't me. Well, that was this experience. Cause I looked at him, I said, you know, you got more seminary training than me. You got more conferences and, and seminars than me. You've read more books than me. You got more pastoral experience than me. You also have more of all of that than the apostle Peter. But in mm-hmm. Acts chapter one, he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter two, he got it. What did he get? The same Holy Spirit that possesses me. Wow, that's good. It's not yeah. how much we know. It's who indwells us yeah. that makes the difference. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like... I don't need to have the seminary training. I don't need to know all the stuff to be able to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit that, that took Peter, who fled the, the cowardly Peter, to stand up and, and preach the message, knowing that the Romans would arrest him, right? They end up arresting him, or the Jews, I say, and then letting him go. He just walks around and he's like, hey, you could, you could arrest us, but we're going to obey God. What, what gave him that boldness? The Holy Spirit indwelling him. Well, if you are a believer in Christ, that very same Holy Spirit indwells you. Oh, can I read Romans 8, 11, please? And, and highlight that right there. <laughs> please, please. Uh, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That, that man, that, that, that should give you pause and, uh, uh, you know, I always say we shouldn't be praying for more boldness. We need to be praying for more righteousness because the righteous will be bold as a lion. Yeah. And right there, the righteousness comes from Christ. And, and that's what that's what gives us the strength. So, so Andrew, awesome. when, when you were talking about Peter, I want to read something Peter said in, in, in Acts chapter two, right? You were just mentioning Acts, Acts chapter two. This is verse 22. Uh, I'm going to read 23 to 24. He said this, man of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You know, when I read that, um, this is that this is that thing that gets me about well, what we just experienced in the last couple of years, you know, I, I keep saying this, I, I've said this over and over. People weren't afraid of COVID. They were afraid of dying, mm. right? They, they were afraid of death. And uh, when I read this, it's, it's, it's one of those things I, I and I've posted a million times on, on social media, stop the fear. Right. Um, and, and this is uh, something I think as evangelists, we need to be able to use. Listen, I can tell you all day long about death. We should talk about it. You should contemplate the day of your death because it's coming. Uh, 10 out of 10 people die. It's hundred percent mortality rate. I always love giving those statistics out to people. They'll look at me like I'm crazy. And then I'll look at them and say, it's coming. It's coming, right? It, it would be good for you to think about that, but I got some good news for you. He loosed the pangs of death when God raised Jesus from the dead. Right. And this is so important in our faith. And this is going to be my last question to answer you uh, before we start wrapping up. But um, it, why is this a hill we should die on? Well, it's a hill we should die on because Jesus said so. I mean, God said so. In the Lord. I mean, that's the ultimate reason, right? This is, this is important because as Paul ends up arguing in 1 Corinthians, this is what our faith hinges on. You know, let me read a different thing from Paul. Paul, this is 2 Corinthians 5. 
uh, verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. He died for all so that they may live, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You see, we, we realize and really understand what the resurrection meant. That compels us. We, we have a love for Christ. That will compel us to go out and share the gospel. What is it that gets, out of our, gets us out of our comfort zone? What gets us out of our comfort zone is the, is the love of Christ. We love Christ so much that we don't mind looking foolish in the eyes of the world. We love right. Christ so much, we don't mind going into the world and looking like an idiot. We don't mind being you know, rejected by them. We don't mind that they're going to ask us questions we don't know the answers for, and we feel uncomfortable about it because we love Christ. Why? Because he died and rose again. And as it says there, the fact that he died, one for all, all died so that we might live. If he didn't die, why is his death so important? He became a man as a human being who never violated God's law. He can be a perfect substitute for you and I. But guess what? There's a problem. If he's just a temporal being, an angel, like the Jehovah Witnesses would say, or just a man, he can't die for anyone else but one person. He's a temporal being. It would take him all eternity to pay that debt. But see, he's not just a man. He's God Almighty, an eternal being. So when, as an eternal God, when he died once, that was an eternal death. And so being God, he can die for all people once. He could do that. And it would be once in time because of his nature. His nature is eternal. But it, and as a human, he was perfect. And so because of that, his resurrection is the proof that he not just died for as a payment of our sin, but that he can offer to us forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. That's why we have eternal life is because he rose from the dead. That's what vindicates it. So, so why is it a hill to die on? Because without the resurrection, we're dead in our sin. Mm -hmm. that, that's why it's a hill to die on. Right. That's good. That's good. What do you got, Brian? What, wow. are your, what, what are your final thoughts here on, on all the Andrew's given us? Uh, yeah, I, we really didn't get into it. And, and the hill to die on, I, I mean, going back, you know, it was the emergence of the church to the rapid emergence out of, you know, the thousands that came to Christ and the building of the church uh, to what we have today. But um, there, there was an article and, and I took it out and this was going to be my close. It was by Stephen Jordan. He wrote the nine evidences uh, for the resurrection of Jesus. But Basically, the, the, the paragraph that I, I want to quote, and I was going to repurpose it, but man, it's the way it's written. I'm going with it. Uh, despite the amount of evidence provided, let's remember that the resurrection is more than a fact to be proven. It's the culminating event in God's redemptive plan on behalf of mankind. It has incredible implications for our lives today. The shed blood of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead are not distant events in history. There are present realities that make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins, as it says in Hebrews 9.22, experience and enjoy an intimate relationship with God, 1 Peter 3.18, 
undergo radical transformation, Galatians 1.23, and carry out all that God has called us to do in our lives, Matthew 28.20. The resurrection of Jesus also gives us hope for the future. Since death was not the end for Christ, we have hope that it won't be the end for us either. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, That is what we should be preaching. That's what we should be. We preach Christ crucified, but also uh, death, burial, and resurrection, um, all in our, our witness account and what we do. Yeah. To, to go off a little bit about what Andrew just gave us on why it's a hill to die on when I asked that question, I'm going to quote John MacArthur. Uh, this will be my last little thing. that uh, This is what he said. The truth of the resurrection gives life to every other area of gospel truth. The resurrection is the pivot on which all of Christianity turns and without which none of the other truths would, would much matter. Without the resurrection, Christianity would be so much wishful thinking, taking its place alongside all other human philosophy and religious speculation. Um, the resurrection, uh, this is now me, and not Johnny Mac, but the resurrection sets our faith apart from every other religion in the world. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is no other uh, religious leader in the world that uh, has come out of his tomb or his grave or anything like that. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only one that has resurrected from the dead. He's the only one that is alive today. Uh, and so when I when I look at that and I think this is this is distinct. This is why we when we go back to the last episode that we talked about how, why he's the only way. Hey, he's the only one alive to go to, anymore. <laughs> and we talk about why why where would we go if we couldn't go to Christ, uh, right? And so, um, Andrew, I want to thank you uh, for you know coming on the podcast and and talking to us about the resurrection. Uh, this is really a good time. Give us your last thoughts on on, on what you think. Uh, you know with the resurrection and even what we're doing here with our hearts for the lost. I know you've known about the ministry for quite some time. It's different having Brian as president. It's a little bit different. It's, it's taking on some new shapes and some new forms. You see this, the logo is different. You can see it on his shirt. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, there's, there's been quite a few changes that we've made, but uh, last thoughts. Well, I don't, I don't see it on his shirt. I see it on my coffee cup every morning. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, you know, I, it, it is really a privilege for me to be on here with you guys. Uh, I love Hearts for the Lost, um, the, the work that you guys are doing, training people to evangelize. You know, the, the, the heart you guys have at Hearts for the Lost, it's, it's I mean, it's a passion that I have at Striving Fraternity, going into small churches, churches that can't afford to have people come in. You know how I many churches, the, the average size church is 25 in America. Wow. Now you think about like the MacArthur sized churches or the, the, you know, Joel Steen sized churches where they got thousands. Well, that tells you there's a whole lot of small churches that have less than 25, right? Those are the churches that are hurting. Those are the churches that need help. They, they would love to go out and share the gospel. Well, guess what? Oh, we're such a small church. We can't bring anyone in. And the pastor's probably working by vocational. So he can't really put the time into working on, on a program or, or training. That's where hearts for the lost comes in folks. They, they go into those churches to help those churches learn how to evangelize. So those churches could get into their community and grow through the gospel. Not, not through gimmicks and things like that. The gospel is the, is God's church growth plan. <laughs> okay. Plan A. Yeah. yeah. That's plan A. And there was, there's there no B. B. <laughs> so, so I'm going to just say this and, and these guys didn't ask me to do this, but go to the website for hearts for the lost. Donate there, help them get where they got to go 
to these churches that can't afford them so they can teach those people how to share the gospel. Is the gospel important to you? Is, is the gospel something that you feel is an important thing? Someone shared it with you. These guys go out and train people to do what someone did for you so you can have eternal life. Help them get to some other church to do that very same thing. If you are listening and you're like, hey, our church isn't big, like we, we just don't have a lot of people. They don't care. Invite them anyway. Okay, they'll come. And so that's the thing is there that's where their heart is it's in teaching people how to share the gospel it's not about numbers it's not about money it's about you and your church learning to share the gospel and then you know what they're going to do after the training they're going to take you out hmm. you take you out on the streets and put it to work right away so you see it in action and so that is that is a very valuable thing for the, the church today to have a, a parachurch ministry like Hearts for the Lost. So get connected with them. Get, get into their Facebook group if you're on Facebook. Get into, get into the, you know, go through the website. Take this podcast. Well, maybe not this episode, but there are other episodes with their good guests. You know, share it everywhere. Share it so others will find out about it and start learning and get it, that others will get excited about sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many Americans that are so worried. Oh, look at the news. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, if only the Republicans could take office again. The Republicans are not the solution to the problem of America. Amen. Right, right. The gospel is. You want to see America change? Get out there and share the gospel. You want to really see it change? Get all your friends, your Christian friends to share the gospel. Because I got news for you. The politicians, they'll pretend to be Christian if it's going to get them votes, they'll, they'll right. pretend to like support Christian values if they think it's going to get them votes. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is the solution to America's moral problem is found in the gospel. We have the answer. And these guys will come out to your church and train your people to do that. Amen. Yeah. So I'm just encouraging folks, check them out. <clears throat> and that was impassioned. I appreciate that. Hey, man, thanks, hey you took one of my, you took one of my jobs away. And I, I usually <laughs> have to talk about the donate, but I'm free of that. <laughs> hey, well, hey, Brian. Well, first off, it, it comes better coming from someone else. And, you know, I've, I'm kind of a regular listener, you guys. So I, I know your roles. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hey, Brian. Uh, so tell everybody how they can get a hold of us and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, well, all the good stuff. Obviously, uh, heartsforthelost.com uh, on the website. Uh, you can, uh, if, if you are a pastor, an elder, or, or want to send information, because we do, will only come out if we're working under the authority uh, of the leadership of the church, so the pastor or the elder. Um, and, or if you want to donate, uh, donate. You can check us out as far as, uh, you know, what we believe. Uh, again, that we come and teach biblical principles and the gospel. We don't teach per se methods, uh, uh, come in to try to, you know, the newest and latest and greatest. We, we keep it uh, with scripture uh, and the gospel. Uh, and yeah, don't let size, uh, if you're only a, a, if you're a smaller church, we'll work with you, man. We, maybe we can partner with another church in town, or maybe instead of a full team, we'll just have a couple guys, whatever. We will, we will make it work and we will get there. We'll teach biblical principles. And the coolest part, Andrew, you taught me well before the podcast, right when we were getting started. You know, it's like you told me, Brian, don't don't worry about the number of listeners or don't worry about your crowd. And and that's hard for me because I've got a flesh. And and but you said, would you be happy or would you be content 
if in your ministry, whether teaching or the podcast, you could have 15 to 20 people that showed up every Sunday at church to listen to you teach, would that be a good thing? I'm like, oh, that'd be great. Well, there you go. Would it be great if you go to a church with 20 or only have 20 podcast listeners or, or whatever? And that has stuck with me and helped. Um, and, and praise the Lord that, you know, we, this went over 2,000 listeners and, and, and that you know, downloads and that's exciting and all. But man, when I get little uh, uh, tweets uh, or Facebook posts from a youth pastor in Kenya that said, man, we found your podcast and we're using it in our youth in Kenya to help share the faith in Africa. And when I get things from all over the world uh, of either pastors or people that are encouraged to share their faith, wherever they're, whether it be Sweden or, or Netherlands or Australia, man, it's just like, wow, that's, that's what we're doing. So thank you for that. Keeping it all in perspective and, and, and just uh, training that. But anyway, I got away from that. So Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. You can find all three of us. Uh, Andrew made a comeback on Facebook and Twitter. So um, all three of us, you can find uh, on Facebook. You can find Hearts for the Lost. Uh, you can also go to uh, uh, Striving for Attendance Ministries, where, man, if you can't get more learned on that website with all the podcast community that he does, Christian podcast community, um, you could, you, you've got books on there. You can go through systematic theology on your videos uh, on there. Uh, there's just so much theology uh, to, to really beef up on there. Andrew, I've used so much of that. Thank you. There's workbooks you can order uh, as well to go through the curriculum. Um, and then do you have any, uh, Andrew, anything you'd like to plug as far as any events coming up that, that we can go see you and maybe we can do a, com- I, I told Andrew, man, maybe someday we could do a combine striving for eternity, hearts for lost event. Maybe here in any, you know what, if there's an Indiana pastor, right. That would like to invite Andrew Rappaport <laughs> into Indianapolis because there's this sushi place that we're trying to get back oh, at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where maybe Striving for Eternity could do the Friday night portion and then Hearts for the Lost could do the Saturday morning portion. Then we go to lunch and all of us go out uh, into. Anyway, just thinking out loud. <laughs> but uh, is there anything, Andrew, you got out there that you'd like to push or make? Well, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I'll be out uh, again at Living Orders Ambassador Academy, which mm. where we got we all met. Um, I'll be leading a team out there. Excited about that. Actually, just before we started the recording for this, I was meeting with my team. I do a team meeting. Uh, we're eight weeks out, so I'm starting to meet with them regularly every week and, and just get them ready for training them before we get to the streets. So, um, so that's, that's looking forward to that. Um, and then I think Brian, uh, you and I will probably see each other at the G3 regional conference down DC. Yes. I'm planning, I'm planning on going. Jimmy will um, be there as well. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to be speaking in, uh, in November at the reform Sola Deo Gloria conference. I saw that. And, uh, that one's out in, uh, I'm trying to remember where that one is. I got to pull that up now. Yeah, that's what happens when you're speaking at too many conferences. You don't <laughs> you don't remember which 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 state you're in. So uh, that is whatever AGS is. Oh, that's that's in Augusta, Georgia. That's right. Okay. So that's Augusta, Georgia. Um, and then uh, I know that uh, somewhere I'm speaking at the Southwest uh, the, te- the Southwest Texas. What is it called again? Looking it up. <laughs> Southwest Bible Conference. That's out in uh, Texas. Nice. So that one's coming up. So, uh, yeah, that, um, I'll be out of those places. Um, actually, this this next week, if anyone's in Maryland, depending when you guys uh, drop this, but uh, I will be in Ocean City, Maryland, um, July 15th to 20th with the Repent and Witness 
uh, evangelism camp. This is, if you guys haven't done it, you guys would love to get involved in that. It is an intense evangelism training because you have, we start off at like eight o'clock for prayer, have like nine o'clock teaching until roughly about noon. And then you go out on the the streets until like 11 o'clock at night. And then you go home, get a little bit of sleep and start the same thing the next day. And you got like four days of this long days, but you're going to get so much training in that it's, you're going to, you're going to be able to like have so many people you could bounce ideas off of, Hey, you know, I, I had this experience yesterday. What, how do I handle it? it? It's a great experience. Actually repent and witness is probably my favorite event of the year is it's run by Christian collegiate network. I think the website is repentwitness.com and they actually had some people drop out. So they do have openings uh, this year, Brian, just saying, Brian, Jimmy, you know, I think they have five openings for some guys to jump in. Just, just saying, well, I will be on my first year anniversary trip in uh, Maui on the fifth that, that week. That is so, an excuse. Yeah. I will, <laughs> I, but I will witness excuse. in Hawaii. I promise you. It's, I it's, promise it, that. It, it's crazy. But, but uh, you know, for work, I'll be in Kingston, Jamaica, well, working at a call center. Um, <laughs> so I won't be in town either. Maybe next um, year. We'll yeah, maybe next schedule. year. Yeah. Sounds good, though. I, I like the uh, idea. That sounds great. Um, so we're going to be in Dallas this weekend. This weekend. Yep. Next, next month we will be in Westfield, Indiana, right? Yep. yep. The month after that, G3. Um, in October, we've got the Houston thing. And boy, the, the, the guys on the team are really looking forward to maybe camping out outside Joel Osteen's we're, church. And we're gonna stay, we're gonna stay a day later. <laughs> and on Sunday, we're gonna open air at was it Lakeview? Whatever they call it. Lake, Lakeview. Yeah, yeah, Lakeview Church. We're gonna preach to all the folk going to Joel. So that's oh, gonna be goodness. a fun event. You know, yeah. Jimmy, I wanted to ask you this earlier. You mentioned the voice of the martyrs. Do you, you think those guys were reading you know, Joel Steen's Your Best Life Now? <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I don't think it. that was in their repertoire, huh? <laughs> got it. So, uh, Brian, what do we got? Well, I tell you, I just want to thank you all, but we just want to remind you, have a heart and go share your faith.